It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Hang tight because things will change and you are inspiring someone by being you and not being afraid to be you. And that is contagious. This is In The Key Of Q, featuring musicians from around the world who inspire my queer identity. Everyone is welcome to the conversation, whatever beautiful identity pleases you. Music helps us feel connected, feel heard, and know that we are not alone. This program is made possible thanks to the financial support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And remember to join the conversation across socials using the hashtag queer music. I'm Dan Hall. Come on in, sit down and be heard. My guest this week hails from Brooklyn in New York. He has released three full-length albums and a number of EPs and singles and comes to us today with a whole new album of crowdfunded content. He's recommended by our previous guest, Vincent DeGeronimo, and I'm delighted to welcome him to the show. Hello, Aris. Hi, Dan. Awesome to be here with you. I was born and raised in New York City in Brooklyn. It's a melting pot for sure of not just uh, cultures and individuals, but also music. You can walk down one city block and hear, uh, on the right block that is, uh, jazz and hip hop and someone panhandling and singing soul. And it's all there and it's always a, a, a movement. So it's always uh, felt to me like there were no walls between genres. I've been releasing music independently for uh, about 10 years, and it's been a very interesting journey, a beautiful journey of connecting with people and getting closer to really my authentic self by sharing my music with the world and with you. You talk about your authentic self there. Where do you feel you've not done that in the past? And, And what do you feel today that authenticity is that you're finally allowing your audience to see? I think we're always trying to find ourselves. Every day we become a fresher, newer version of ourselves. And as we get older, the the things that we uh, surround ourselves or that we think identify ourselves with um, start to fall away. Some of those things could be material, or they could be you know people or experiences that we really uh, invested ourselves in. And hopefully, as we evolve and we get closer to our true selves, we get closer to the core of what really is our uh, purpose or our passion. And it's less about things and it's more about doing. But uh, I think that what's become more authentic for me is I'm less afraid to talk about the, the real stuff underneath just the metaphorical meanings and the rhymes. So be that uh, grieving. So on the new album, there's a lot of uh, 
moments where I'm dealing with grieving or talking about grieving or moving through the process of grieving and healing. Um, some of the tracks were inspired by the loss of my mom, which I've been pretty open about. Uh, also, some friends passed away. Uh, my good friend Ari Gold, who's on one track on the album, passed away while we were recording the song that he was on. So, yeah, allowing those moments that are a little bit more nuanced, especially in today's um, clickbait world, to really be there and to be open to talk about them um, has, has helped me really find the authenticity in my work. So do you find that nuance provides you with a space where you can discuss grief more? I think that grief is something that is still a taboo. You know, even though we're all going to experience it and we all do experience it in some way. But, you know, even the ultimate grief of losing someone you really care about, people still tiptoe around it. And there is a certain nuance that comes with learning uh, how to walk through it once you've experienced it a few times. And being able to give people resources for that, I think, is super important. We we, uh, grow collectively when we share. And I feel like there is nuance in sharing, especially when you're trying to share things that are so complicated. So that's kind of where this music is at. It's complicatedly beautiful, I think. And why do you feel that there is shame associated with grief? Because I agree with you. I think there is. And I, too, don't understand where that comes from. But there's a real embarrassment about having someone else's grief in the room. In, in society, people just don't like it, they sort of want grieving people to disappear until they've gotten over it. And then they can come out again because they're fun again. When someone else enters our space that may be grieving, it does kind of force us to confront ourselves in a way. How are we going to experience this moment that's going to make me feel uncomfortable? And then also, what, what do you say, right? What do you say to someone that's grieving? And I, I've been in an experience um, where I, I, even having been through grief, couldn't find the right words because I didn't know the person well enough to uh, say something that I thought would be meaningful. And I think far too often, uh, things like death, God, we spend our whole lives running away from it, right? So it's just uncomfortable. But life is uncomfortable. And the more we face these things, the more it becomes more comfortable for everyone. And we hopefully uh, can find unity and things like that instead of feeling shame. A lot of the people that raised me have passed away. Uh, my parents had me when they were older. So uh, I, I've experienced the loss of both my parents and had to be there through that uh, process as a healthcare giver, um, a patient advocate for both of them uh, as they went through the, the cracks of the hospital system and watched that very deep and emotional process play out for them and also for myself. Um, you know, seeing people more at funerals than you do in your day to day became something that happened in my family too. So. Uh, experiencing that first as a trauma uh, and not knowing really what that was, that grief, uh, you know, loss is a trauma, especially when it's very close to you. Um, it doesn't always have to be close to you, too. It could still be a trauma, even if it's a, a loss that's a little bit removed. But the deeper the loss, the deeper the trauma. And 
we don't give ourselves enough time to heal always. So my own experience with healing through grief was what many people do is to run away from it, to try to distract myself, go places that gave me uh, joy, um, spend a lot of time making happy songs instead of getting deep into the pain and trying to uh, express it so it can be processed and released. Art takes many forms for different people, so but it's a beautiful um, vessel for the release of uh, emotion. And those are things in my toolbox um, that definitely assisted me in the process of moving through these heavy, tragic moments. You spoke about how music for you, producing music, was a space of comfort because you could channel your feelings into it. How does it make you feel as a musician knowing that people outside of you are hearing your music and finding a sense of belonging and finding a sense of identity because of it. It's everything. It's, it's the reason that I keep going. Um, it, the, the journey to being a, a musician or a songwriter um, is a difficult one. And I'm not playing the violins here, but especially, you know, if you don't have financial backing of a investor or a, a really a kind sugar daddy or any of those wonderful things that would help to make the wheels move, takes a lot of uh, financial investment and physical investment. And especially now in today's streaming world, uh, where there's very little recoup for the artist, you, you really have to put everything you've got into it. And um, knowing that it's actually touching someone and it's reaching someone means that I will put everything I've got plus two in it, you know, because there's there's a reason there's an impact. It's not just a, you know, a, a fun dance song that might come up a few times for someone, but it is um, a guiding light in a dark moment for someone. I mean, that's everything. So could you tell us, Aris, what your queer identity means to you? Well, it's tied um, clearly very close to my heart because who I fall in love with is, is um, expressed now um, through every piece of my work. And I like being authentic. So even in, in referenced in my work, if there's a love song and there happens to be a music video, it's possible that uh, someone that I was in a relationship may very well be the actual person on camera at the time. So uh, it's currently in my life, um, from very early on, uh, I was the artistic unusual one, but I grew up in a uh, partly conservative, a Greek Orthodox home. And that wasn't something that was spoken about or uh, accepted. So it was very much um, an area of, of contention for a while from, you know, until I was about 10 or 11 when my parents split. Uh, my mom had different feelings than my father uh, and was very open, accepting of, of all people and different walks of life and uh, never made it an issue for me, but always um, prepared me for the uh, awareness and, and challenges of what it would be like. Um, but it was a different time, even like I, when I went to high school, it was a this population of almost 5,000 people in New York City. 
And wow, that's no a big one, high school. Right. I know that's some small towns in America, but no one was gay. No one was out at least. And there was no gay alliance. And the one person who was comfortable expressing themselves um, on the outside with their clothing and hair and where they carried themselves um, was mercilessly um, uh, bullied for it. So I think that um, that was a conscious uh, imprint on me. And probably in the beginning uh, of my my art and releasing music, I, I was a little more conscious. How do I present myself? How, how do I make sure that I'm showing myself in a way that isn't uh, stereotyped or pigeonholed because people are just going to see that one image or that one section or that, that 30 seconds. And what is the authentic me that I can share? And, um, when we start asking ourselves that too much, I think we, we forget what it is that makes us special. In both of our countries, we often get people who go, well, they've got marriage now, or they've got this, or they've got that. Why, why do they, they've got equality. Everything's equal now. I don't know why they're still complaining or going on pride marches. What do you think about uh, it when you get people who aren't queer telling you that your battles are over? Well, luckily, and we learned this through many, many movements uh, of civil rights over the course of the last uh, 50 to 100 and beyond years, is that it's often the small minority voice that has to keep protecting their rights and the general population that's who, who are not affected by it are not always the biggest allies. Um, and it's to be expected sometimes that there's blowback, but um, it's as education. Uh, what we need to do is talk more. I, I believe, you know, some people are always going to just believe what they believe, but when you treat them with respect and dignity and you open a conversation, it at least provides a better um, jump off point for where the dialogue can progress. And if you look about how uh, it's already happened with, with slow ideological movements over the last 50 years, and then really the last 20 years, I mean, we're talking about um, as a society, gay marriage being legal in many parts of the world and people are confronting their own. Remember when people used to think, oh, we can't let gay people adopt children because they'll turn out gay or they'll da 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 da. All the things that people said they can't say anymore because there's actual real life experience that everyone's seen. Just like when they said, if you legalize weed, everyone will just, I don't know, drive off the roads into the sunset and bury themselves in the sand. No, it didn't happen because we're now seeing the acclimation and the integration of all that stuff in the culture. So I say, give them time. I say, show uh, very sound uh, experiences, provide data. And then that's all you could do is let their heart guide them. Yeah, absolutely. And what battles do you feel we have to face then over the next decade? Well, you know, uh, conservatism, as it's coming about now in the world politically, is dangerous because uh, the nuanced conversations aren't being had anymore. And everyone's being divided, just baseline, react, good, bad, you know, go to your side or mine. And um that's unfortunate because then it makes things like uh, voting rights and trans rights and gay rights really become uh, hot ticket issues for the upcoming elections that are coming up because all that progress that was made 
can easily be undone by the next person that gets in there. And that's, I'm sure that you're, you experience something similar in the UK. You've got a little bit more stops and balances than we currently have here. It goes off the rail so fast here in America these days, especially locally, where, you know, instantly abortion suddenly is illegal again. It's like, what? How'd that happen? I thought that was already settled. No, don't get too comfortable. And I think that's the message. Don't get too comfortable. Um, stay informed stay mobilized and um, keep fighting for what you are fighting for because it can easily get taken away. If you're an adult now and you went back to your high school and there's that one brave kid who amongst 4,000 kids is being mercilessly bullied but still insists on walking his own path, what would you say to, to kids like that who are listening to this? Well, first I would give him a big hug um, because I feel like there must have been so many moments when I wanted to do that. And I just was afraid myself of even, because I didn't know this person. I just saw them, you know, in a sea of 5,000 people, but I knew inside. But I'd give them a big hug. And, and second, I'd say, hang tight, because things will change. And you are inspiring someone by being you and not being afraid to be you. And that is contagious. Mother, mother, hold your children tight. There's too much darkness in the night. Lift them up proud with all of your heart. Encourage kindness from the start. These words my mother told me. These words in my life, oh, they mold me to be a better man, to keep on doing what I can. Aris, we've got a new section on the podcast where I promise my guests that I'm not going to get out my edit pencil. One of the ethoses of this podcast is to give people a voice. You can literally say whatever you want about whatever you want. I think one of the most beautiful things in the world is love. Confusing, confusing is all hell. Infuriating at times but magical and moving in a way that moves and changes the deepest parts of our core and helps us become hopefully the best versions of ourselves before we pass away on this world. And I hope that my voice, my work, um, and the energy that I time and energy and time that I spend in this world um, magnifies that that message of love. It's something that was inspired in me by my mom, who believed that at her core, that love could move mountains. The power of love was so big that it could create not only life, but fix, heal, rejuvenate, and transcend everything. It's 
the first thing I think about when I wake up, how do I bring more love into the world? How do I touch more people? How do I deepen the love at relationships that I have for people through how I'm loving them? And I hope that we all can think about that in our lives to spend just a little more time tuning out the negativity and a little bit more time tuning up the love and getting closer to the things that will make us all more and better. Now you mentioned your mom there as being one of the people who most inspired that message that you just gave us. Could you share with us a bit about her? Yes, my mom, Virginia, Ginny for short, uh, was a very amazing person. She was a rebel at heart, uh, an army brat. So she moved around a bunch in her early days. And although she was raised in a very conservative, um, Catholic, uh, white, uh, middle-class family, she just felt like she didn't belong there. And she left home and for about a decade toured as a belly dancer in Middle Eastern clubs um, in major cities in the United States in the between the mid 60s and mid 70s. So a very wild time. My mom was not just my mom, but she had this whole other life before me where she was this badass rebel belly dancing uh, hippie woman who's, you know, having, as I found out later, uh, relationships with women, smoking pot. And so being raised by her as a single parent um, definitely impacted me. I saw her struggle to uh, keep it all going, keep the lights on and still give me what I wanted uh, in terms of making my dreams come true and believing what I was passionate about at the time before it was music. It was, you know, comic books or this or that or the other. There was always something that I was invested in. She was always just as invested in it for me. And um, I was very, very blessed that once I, I did choose to walk the path of a singer songwriter that she, even in her later years, when she was going through her own health struggles, uh, chronic COPD, which is a breathing disorder, she still made it to shows. She dragged herself out with her breathing machines and she, she had to be there in the front row. Um, so a very inspiring woman that um, even almost a decade after her passing is still inspiring my work in the way um, I live my life and what I do um, day to day in the choices that I make. No matter how much I lose in my life, there's always more to gain. Learning from the pain No matter how long it takes to climb I'm gonna keep on climbing to the skies Love, I'm running for you and me You strike me as someone who is incredibly kind And there's a softness and an empathy in just the way that you are. Where does that come from? Well, I have my moments. I'm not always kind because I can be grumpy. I can be hangry. I've learned through the years I have hanger issues. That's a hungry, angry thing. I've had it colloquially or not, but so 
I, you're seeing my my best Zen self today, but we all have our moments. Um, I think that kindness is key, though, and it starts with being kind to ourselves. Um, a lot of the time, when you experience someone in the world that is not as kind, uh, that's rougher edged or is not as soft, they may just be going through something very, very deep or something that you don't understand that's creating that edge around them. And you're experiencing everyone in this world a lot of times with their armor up. Um, so, you know, it's grace as well um, and gratitude and all those things working together to, you know, uh, help me at least in my own walk on this world to be more aware of my uh, choices and my actions. And that includes choosing our words more carefully. And that's not to be calculated. That's to make sure that we're, we're soft and gentle with people and that we give people uh, our best in this world where they're constantly bombarded by harsh words and critique and um, misunderstanding and, uh, you know, bombardment of uh, negativity. I, I hope to just counteract that in my own presence by being a little bit more grounded. Aris, what do you think your 15-year-old self would think of you? Well, I think my 15-year-old self would be encouraged that I could walk down hand-in-hand hand down the street with my partner um, in my neighborhood and not be afraid of being openly in love and that be celebrated in culture and um, to live an authentic life in all ways that allows for the happy moments and the sad moments to be uh, on display for people to understand and see you as a whole. I think my 15 year old self would be really uh, amazed that I collaborated with Paula Cole because my 15 year old self was playing her album, this fire on repeat on my Walkman on my CD uh, player walking around, like skipping every three seconds. The, their technology was not as sound as the cassette. I'd side note here, but you walking around with your disc man and skips, but you're like, it's, it's a CD. But yeah, that 15 year old would be blown away that there was a full circle moment from being inspired by that work, which was equally open and vulnerable and um, touched me in a way that made me want to make music like that to being in a room or in a space where I could make music with that person. Know, that's that's one of the that amazing things about life is that no dream is out of reach and you don't know how you're going to get there always it's not always the way you think and it doesn't always look the way it does but that experience could happen and it it could change your life and it did mine keep dreaming and keep hoping even when things look dark and even when it is stormy or when there was a personal uh, obstacle that 
made me doubtful about my own uh, gifts or abilities or uh, purpose or journey. Is that anything can happen if you believe. And is that exploration of self something which you've continued in your brand new album? Totally. Most definitely. Um, Part of what's helped me find myself or get closer to finding myself has been my relationship with other people. Um, Some of them being my closest friends. And that's reflected in some of the collaborations on the album. Uh, There's a track with my good friend Vincent DiGeronimo, who was a guest on your show. We've known each other for many years, um, known of each other, I should say, for many years. And we're in the same circle because of Paula Cole. We were both uber fans and we would very often be at the same show, but we didn't know each other, know each other, so we wouldn't interact. And at one point, it was none other than Paula Cole herself who said, do you know Vincent? I think you two should be friends. And on that note from, you know, I mean, you don't say no to Paula Cole. I mean, she obviously knew what she was doing. And therefore, me and Vincent were like, okay, let's get to know each other. And what we found is we had very similar experiences growing up. And we knew that we wanted to talk about our own experiences of grieving, him with the loss of his father, me with the loss of my mother. So we wrote a song about it called Missing, which um, will be on the new album. Um, And it's just uh heart-wrenchingly gorgeous and um so that bleeds through in the work these very authentic relationships that allow for a space to be unguarded to create hey aris it's ari i have been meaning to call you wanting to call you thinking of calling you having conversations with you in my head um but i don't know i just i guess just been life and just dealing with other things, but um, I definitely want to speak. I definitely want to talk whenever you have a chance. Okay. I hope you're doing well and um, miss you. I miss you too. There's a song with um, my good friend Ari Gold, who was a pioneer in the LGBT music scene for many, many years. Um, uh, his He was not afraid to be himself and openly out in the late 90s and his videos were on mtv and a logo when not a lot of people were uh openly showing that image he he just went with it forever and a day forever and a day i miss you babe forever and a day forever and a day And a day, life will be the find way. Come back to me. That friendship was based on not just hanging out in the club, but being there for each other and being open with sharing who we were and what we were going through. And the song on the record, Forever in a Day, that we wrote together, definitely has that heart right in there. Um, and all the, uh, the songs on the album are about something very deep and very personal. 
And as I was recording these songs, I realized, wow, like there's a lot here and there's a lot that I want to not just sing about, but I want to talk about. So I decided to do an accompanying podcast with the album. So I sit down myself, like kind of like what we're doing here with some of the people I collaborated with. And we talk about our own inspirations with music and we all went about up about loss and what it means to grieve and what grieving has felt like to them. Talk about what love is. What does it mean to people? Like we all have a different take on what love means, which I found so fascinating. And when you get someone to define the word love, yeah, there are the general definitions that are similar, but when people really get into it, they have a personal relationship with it that varies from person to person. And Iris, what is the new album called? Through the Storms. Through the Storms. And when is the release date? December 21st. And the new single, Become Love, is out now. Fantastic stuff and available on all the usual streaming platforms. Hey, this is John from the Song Surfing Podcast. Song Surfing is a music discovery show featuring some of the best independent music from around the world. A huge variety of genres are covered, from Malaysian punk to Detroit hip-hop to jazz from Iceland and a whole lot more. If you love hearing excellent music and like to discover something new, then come Song Surfing with me. Song Surfing is available on all your favorite podcast apps and at songsurfingpodcast.com. For those people who are now intrigued and want to hear more of your music, where can people find you online? Uh, well, uh, I'm on all the places you might expect. I'm on YouTube and Facebook, uh, the social media handles. Uh, you generally find me on are at Aris Ziagos, A-R-I-S-Z-I-A-G-O-S. And that's on Twitter as well as Instagram. Um, I, I also have my own website, which I find way easier than getting people to spell my Greek name. And that's www.aris.fm, frequency module like the radio. So I've got all the links on there where people can, you know, check out the music and click on the social. I joined TikTok recently, but it's really embarrassing because I'm old and stuff. So don't don't follow me there yet because I haven't figured out what to do with it. Oh but goodness, I'm going to work on it. You're old on TikTok. Oh my goodness! I I better make sure I just remain a passive user. They'll they'll well, this, think this I'm is a what I was thinking for a while, and then there are these like. A four older gay man who just got a whole production deal to be like the new Golden Girls off of TikTok. So I'm thinking maybe I have this all wrong. Maybe I'm young still and I need to just lean into my oldness and just rock it. So uh, Grandpa Aris, here we come on TikTok. I think that might eventually be the handle there. But right now it's just Aris Ziagos. And <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my music is um, also available for, uh, for mostly on stream on YouTube if people... Um, want to just click there it's an easy click that's fantastic thank you very much now My harris pleasure. we've been hearing your music all the way through this episode but we've saved the best or last and this is the point in the program where we bid farewell to our listeners but before we go we like to ask if there was 
one song, one gateway song in your catalog that you feel could be used to really, really get people into your music, what would that be? And this is not just a coincidence that it happens to be the new single. This is not just just the ultimate plug, I promise. But (laughs) it would be my song, Become Love. And that is because of all the things we've been talking about. That song was inspired by my mom. Um, The phrase, love become a mountain and a mountain become love, is something that she said often. And it was that thing that love could move mountains. Um, It's a song that really is very, very special to me. And my good friend, Kobe Cole, who's an amazing soul singer in New York City, loved the song so much that he decided to contribute his fantastic soul vocals to it. And uh, we have a, a video that's coming out where we have a lot of fun in it. And it just, it showcases, I think, my heart, my message, um, my voice, and also my vibe, which is uh, being a, a, a vulnerable, open, collaborative musician who's not afraid to let it all hang out there, inspire people to love with all their heart. Love become a mountain Love become a Aris, thank you so, so much for joining us here on In the Key of Q. It's been, it's just been really lovely having a chance to to get to know you and just, I know you say you have bad hangry days, but you really do give out the most lovely, kind vibe. So thank you for sharing that with us. My deep, deep pleasure, Dan. And I will say right back at you, you are so sweet. And I hope we get to chat again soon when, uh, you know, there's not a ring light in my face because I like <laughs> it and all, but... <laughs> Heaven way above Love become a mountain And a mountain become love Love become a mountain And a mountain become love Love 
Many thanks for listening to this episode with Aris. Remember to listen to him on the usual streaming platforms. And of course, you can find links to his music in the show notes. We have exclusive Key of Q content over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And there you can join other listeners by supporting the show's production costs for as little as five US dollars a month. Tell me what you thought about today's episode on social media using the hashtag queer music or email me direct on podcast at in the key of Q.com. And rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really, really helps other people find the show. Our theme is by Pauline Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com. Thanks to Paul Smith, our PR guru, and of course to Kaj and Murray for their continued support in making this series. The show is presented and produced by me, Dan Hall, and made at Pup Media. See you next Tuesday. Mountain,